Last week, the drama of Jonah continued. However, we were left wondering if Jonah would receive redemption or persecution from the Lord. The prophet that blatantly disobeyed and ran away from the Lord, in fact, the word that is used is fleed, begrudgingly understands that his sin has consequences. His direct disobedience of the Lord has put the lives of the sailors in jeopardy, and it was his admittance of the Yahweh that he prayed to that they instantly came to recognize Jonah's God as the God of all. This is huge. Instantly, they turned to him asking, what have you done? Remember, when he first got on the boat, he was running away from the Lord and he told them so. Jonah, at that moment, offers himself to be thrown overboard to spare the lives of the other sailors. And between you and me, I think he was also looking for another out, if you know what I mean. Jonah has already displayed way too many questionable morals and now wants to do the sacrificial thing. Nah, I don't buy it for a second. I think he was hoping to frame them for his death. That way, it was not his fault. He doesn't make it to Nineveh. Instead, the sailors did their best to row back to land, once again putting humans' efforts up against God's will, because that's worked so well before. Eventually, they crowded to Jonah's God to be spared for throwing what they thought was an innocent man overboard, and the raging seas calmed once they did. Ladies, they witnessed a miracle. And don't let it be lost on you. Even in Jonah's disobedience and arrogance, and even in the face of death, God used him to bring himself glory. As relatable as Jonah is to all of us, this is not a story about Jonah. The story is about the goodness and sovereignty of God. But then we got to the cliffhanger. Does God spare him? Is God mad? And this is where we pick up this week. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Wait, what? A giant fish? Like a shark? Like a whale? But also like not at all relevant to the point of the story. The point is that the same God that Jonah disobeyed and had him sacrificially thrown off the boat into the raging and storming seas, that God has also in a strange way redeemed him. This is the most unconventional way and not exactly my first pick of rescue, but as I mentioned before, the story isn't about me. But I also couldn't let it go, and so I Google, and these were some of the headlines I found. Man swallowed by great white shark says it was like being trapped in a dark cave, telegraph.co.uk. An Arkansas man is alive after being swallowed by a whale on Saturday while visiting the Shred Aquarium. Jonah Anderson, 24, is being treated for mild dehydration at Chicago's Mercy Medical Center after being regurgitated early this morning, therockcitytimes.com. As well as, if it isn't bad enough, everything was pitch black and I was shivering cold. The only thing that kept me alive were the raw fish that I ate and the light from my waterproof watch. For 72 hours, Marquez did what he had to do to survive, eating only which had also been swallowed by the whale. And that, my friends, was about all I could stomach over my morning coffee. This is the same God that created the heavens and the earth. This is the God of Abraham and Sarah, of Daniel and Mary, the God to destroy cities and build an everlasting, unconquerable kingdom. 
If I believe all the other miracles, which I do, then how completely uncreative of me to believe he wouldn't send a big fish, which by the way, when Matthew 12 40 uses the word whale, the Greek word usually here literally means large sea creature or sea monster. So for all we know, Jonah was swallowed by a big squid. Also totally not the point. Oceans of ink have been spent trying to explain how Jonah could live inside the fish, but the Bible expends no effort on this. It simply assumes God can accomplish such miracles since the fish is sent to Jonah. The point is this. In his last moment of despair, Jonah prayed to God. Remember, in chapter 1, when all the sailors were praying to their pagan gods for the storm to stop and nothing happened, then they cast a lot and realized it was the dude sleeping through the storm. Yeah, they told Jonah to pray to his God once they realized he was to blame. And not even fear of the boat capsizing could get him to pray. But in the belly of the fish, it seems our questionable prophet came to his senses. He said, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas. And the current swirled about me, and your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountain, I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought me up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. And my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. The Hebrew term for prayer is yith palal, which often refers to intercessory prayer for someone else, which we see in Numbers 11, 12 and 1 Samuel. It is also a word for conversation and petition to God, which we see in 2 Kings as well as Jeremiah. In Jonah's case, it became a totally unexpected time of prayer, a prayer of thanksgiving, looking back on God's act of salvation. Jonah describes what happened when the fish snatched him from the water. He interpreted that as an act of divine deliverance. This prayer is directed to the Lord, his God. Suddenly, Jonah was fleeing no more from God's presence. He was seeking God's presence in prayer and claiming God once more as his master. The fish converted the rebellious prophet into a prophet of prayer and thanksgiving. The prayer is an interesting one, mostly because we know that Jonah knows that he was intentionally disobedient. And instead of Jonah opening his prayer with an apology to his master and creator, he instead talks about what he Jonah has done in the past and how God responded. Jonah speaks of his distress and God answered. At the moment, at the moment and where the how of God's answer is not important. Jonah simply focused on his renewed relationship with God. This is the first part of deliverance. The prophet and almighty God communicate with each other again. I remember when I was in my third year of college at the University of Oregon and it had been two and a half years since my mom had died and I was still so angry at God. 
My life was in a downward spiral and looking back, that could only result in an emotional and mental breakdown, which was inevitable. My life was a mess. I was a mess. I was really good at fooling everyone into thinking I was fine. And maybe they all thought I was crazy. Well, I was kind of crazy. I hated God. He had left me an orphan at 22 after he had dished me a really hard life. I wanted nothing to do with him. I didn't know it at the time, but I kept running and he kept pace with me every step of the way. I remember when I reached rock bottom and I cried. I didn't think I was praying at the time, but that's exactly what I was doing. I prayed, God help me live or let me die. Know this friend, even if you have rebelled against God and are fleeing from his presence, you can still pray in desperation and seek his deliverance. Jonah explains further. From the bottom of Sheol, I cried for help. Sheol speaks of the deepest depths, the antithesis of the highest heavens from Proverbs 9.18. Hades, the, the depths is a dwelling place and approached through gates and covered everywhere with dust. The dead there have an existence of some kind, though their description as shades that do not rise in Isaiah 14.9 makes it clear that theirs is a weak and unrewarding style of life. There is no hope of deliverance from Sheol or the grave unless God himself intervenes. A possibility hinted at here and there in the Old Testament. Full assurance of victory over Sheol must await the revelation of the New Testament witness, the resurrection of Jesus. The prayers of the Psalms often seek deliverance or avoidance of Sheol, or Sheol is typically the destination of their enemies. Thus, Jonah joined a solid tradition in crying to God for deliverance from the land of the dead. Where was Jonah when he issued this cry? Our immediate reaction is to locate him in the belly of the fish, but the verses place him in the sea before the fish got to him, just as Jonah was looking death in the face at death's door, if you will. The fish represents a safe haven for Jonah, a God-given vessel of safety escorting him out of Sheol. From inside the fish, Jonah can look back at the stressful times in the sea before the rescue occurs. God listens to prayer from any location and can deliver us out of any kind of distress. Jonah's prayer is also a humbling one, and it's not accidental that Jonah confronts God. Jonah remembers the horror of the situation, a horror caused not only by his fear of the sea, but even more by the knowledge that God hurled him into the sea. If God can put him there, then only God could deliver him. And Jonah knew he had become a rebel whom God might not want to deliver. In such a desperate situation, Jonah expressed one of history's greatest confessions of faith as he prayed. I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. In the midst of the sea, this sounded like an insane pipe dream. How foolish of him to pray this prayer in the belly of the fish. What hope of escape did he have? Yet, he had full faith he would once again enjoy worshipping in the temple of Jerusalem or in the northern kingdom, the temple would have been Bethel. Jonah remembers being surrounded by the deep, so close to drowning. However, no matter how fearsome the deeps are for frightening humans, God is always in control of flooding waters in Psalms 135.6. He uses these waters to bring blessings and victory to his people. 
Deuteronomy 8, 7. But caught in the midst of the depths, Jonah saw them only as the chaotic waters that were part of the formless void until God organized it into the heavens and the earth. These chaotic waters could only be destined to be God's instruments to carry out the death sentence on Jonah. Jonah sank as low as he could go to the roots of the mountains. His journey downward that started in chapter one is finished. He had reached the bars of the earth, the gates to Sheol or the underworld itself. Humanly speaking, escape was impossible. Jonah was there forever. Even entry into the residence of the dead was not eternal because God maintains control of life even in the realm of the dead. For Jonah, this proved more than a theological statement of faith. He confessed his own experience. You brought my life up. In desperate situations, even those God has instigated, they provide an opportunity for prayer and for witnessing God's deliverance. Feeling more and more feeble, Jonah remembered the one source of help that had never failed. I remembered you, Lord. The memory of God and how graceful he had been to Jonah in the past gave rise to a new hope. He pictured God in his holy temple, the house of prayer, and sent his prayers there. His prayer was to God. Jonah had seen the useless prayers of each of the pagan sailors. Jonah had seen the useless prayers to each of the sailors of to their own gods without success. Jonah had been fleeing the law and looking for help anywhere and everywhere he could find it. So he had a strong testimony that those who cling to worthless idols forsake God's grace. But God, our God is a graceful God. And when the pagan sailors witnessed his power, they too were changed. And in that moment, believed in the God of Israel. And they were saved, not just from a shipwreck and dying at sea, but they had encountered the one true God and believed. No matter how close a person is to death, he can pray and find God listening. But failure to pray forfeits any hope of receiving God's grace. So, Still in the belly of the fish, looking back at his desperation in the sea, Jonah looks forward to the temple experience. He believes he will once again see the temple. Once there, he will carry out his obligations to God. He will sing a song of thanksgiving at a special thanksgiving ceremony. He will make this thanksgiving sacrifice and share it with family, friends, and priests. He will count all that God has done to deliver him and will testify about God's goodness to him. This is Jonah's promise to God. Having completed the composition of this beautiful thanksgiving poetic prayer, Jonah can only shout from the fish's stomach, salvation comes from the Lord. This is Jonah's personal confession. God saved him. Standing at death's door, he's cried for God's help and found God present right near him. God had truly saved the prophet and he wanted everyone to know about it. Call me a skeptic, but Jonah, I've been there. I've been in a moment of complete desperation where I literally promised God anything and everything. If he delivers me, forgives me, helps me, gives me what I'm asking for, etc., etc. And not unlike Jonah, how quickly I forget all those promises I made in moments of despair. Thank God his grace extends further than my mind can even wrap around. And so that's where we leave Jonah, in the belly of the sea, creature, fish, squid thing. God would speak to the fish just as clearly as he had spoken to Jonah. 
The fish served as God's messenger in a way comparable to the prophet serving as God's messenger. The fish did not reply. He simply got the biggest stomach ache imaginable and vomited Jonah onto dry land. Jonah survives being eaten by a large sea creature of some kind assumed to be a fish. The story of the ridiculous prophet takes an even more ridiculous turn, but there are truths here that we simply cannot deny. You can pray to God in any location, in any circumstance, and for any reason. Even though you have rebelled against God and are fleeing from his presence, you can still pray in desperation and seek his deliverance. God answers prayers even when you are at death's door. Even as we suffer under God's discipline and punishment, we can pray to him and know that he hears. Praying to God means forsaking other gods and other objects of devotion and sources of hope. When God answers prayer, we should respond in thanksgiving and worship and give an offering to him. Deliverance always has its ultimate source in God. This account makes us realize that Jonah's story is only one example of answered prayers. Such stories of divine power in disastrous situations fuel the church's witness. But Jonah shows us another side to prayer. He not only prayed to get out the fish and the sea, he also promised to pray and worship once he returned to dry land. His thanksgiving prayer from an unusual place can guide us in our prayer pilgrimage with God. Mm-hmm.